Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Toffee Wet Podcast. Hello, Blues, and welcome to another edition of the Toffee Web Podcast. And no doubt a pretty gloomy one following the non-event that was yesterday's transfer deadline, which passed without Everton having made a single signing all month. As we all know all too well now, the only club in the Premier League not to add anyone to their squad in January. As I mentioned in the sign-off on Monday's podcast, we had planned to jump on at 11pm last night to discuss the day's events. But to be honest, I was lost for words at that point, utterly deflated didn't cover it. Uh, Al, we were fairly optimistic uh, Monday about our prospects this season under Sean Dyche. Uh, and I'll speak for myself here and say that, that that was predicated on us actually signing either a winger, another striker, or, you know, ideally uh, one of each. Uh, I never believed we'd come out of January weaker than we went in. And I'm sure I'm not alone on that score. Uh, I can guess how you're feeling, but where are you with this club? and <laughs> What happens now over the next 18 games? Yeah, well, the expectations were really low, weren't they? And Everton have managed to outdo themselves yet again and <laughs> plunge to new depths of incompetence and just absurdity. Um, yeah, I just feel um, very deflated. And I almost feel like it's another disconnection from the club and myself, if that makes sense. It feels like the club sort of... That, that hope that you have as a football fan, which never goes away. It's like that the light's just fading a little bit, I think, because... Obviously, the predicament we're in, you know, no, no, no professional in football can look at that squad and think that it didn't need urgent repair. You know, for the for the relegation running, um, you know, as I say, some of the more pessimistic fans even would have expected at least one sign, and and for it to not come in, it's just it's just the alarm bells are ringing again as to what on earth is going on at the football club, um, because you know we appreciate that. Our hands are tied somewhat because of financial fair play, but the money was there for Donjuma, I assume. You know, a deal had been done there. Um, and it's sort of, where was there a plan B? Where was the planning from the World Cup? Where was the plan at the start of January? And it's just fizzled out. And it it was weird because there was such a lack of talk I felt on the day. It did feel early on on the 31st that we wouldn't get anybody. It, it, it was a, it was a very strange day because obviously in the age of social media, you, you know, if you want to, you can check your phone every second. <laughs> so, so you know, there are usually a few twists and turns, but it just didn't feel like that, that you know, that bit of news that, yeah, we're going to get someone over the line. And I just feel very, very sorry for Sean Dyche that he's come into the club and his task is, is even harder. But I'm still quietly confident because of Sean Dyche that it's not all over. But I must admit that, you know, in terms of the football on the pitch, I 
I feel that we can get out of it still just because Sean Dyche has been in there. But in terms of my relationship with the football club from afar and not knowing what goes on and because of that lack of communication, it genuinely feels like they've given up. It genuinely feels that there's just no plan there, no strategy. Over the six years that Mishiri's been at the club, we've I think we've had one upturn in league position and that was 12th to 10th under Ancelotti. And then again, we've just, we've just sunk and it's just getting worse and worse. And that's it for me. It's from the outside looking in. It's just really worrying, but because the the cynic in me is is almost thinking, are they actually planning for not the championship as such, but to you know to not spend any money because of the stadium and just hope and pray that we can keep drifting above that drop drop zone. Um, so for me, it was just really worrying, really alarming. But but the biggest thing for me, just really disheartening, because you know I I wanna. I want to pick up my football club. I want to tell everybody about how great they are and how they're striving to be the best. And they're doing anything but right now. That's pretty compelling, Al. Um, yeah, I can't really argue with any of that, can I? don't think anybody can. Um, same as foolish as me and stayed up right till 11 o'clock just in case. You never know. <laughs> but like, you just kind of knew, <laughs> didn't you? You know, It felt like the, the rugger then pulled under us a little bit when... Um, uh, Camaldine Sulamana, if I can read his name right, but that didn't happen. I don't know. Something aside, oof, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the yeah. You know, maybe that was the one which we we were banking on. But yeah, there was quite a long time to go between now between then and the end. And yeah, I, I didn't actually follow anything for a while. I was a bit busy with work, and then yeah, turned on my phone to find out alarm bells are really ringing loud on on Twitter and in, in any sort of evidence sort of space or anything you could hear from from supporters and. Um, just a big sorry, sorry state, really, wasn't it? And really, really disappointing. And uh, yeah, they're going to be obviously up for the fight now. I'm sure Sean Dyche will be. Can he get the lads up? It's going to be uh, it's going to be a big, a bit, a big ass now, a big, uh, big battle to get them all in. Everyone's strength for the rounders significantly, um, and we haven't at all. And um, it's like a party, and you're not invited, isn't it? You know, just uh, seeing all these like, <laughs> yeah. Even Palace doing a ton of late deals, like signing a talented lad from Stuttgart late on randomly, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just all these things you saw come up, uh, Bournemouth getting that Ukraine defender in. Just all these deals. Felt like a sort of nightmare just unfolding, really, didn't it? And just nothing you can sort of do. And um, yeah, like you, Aldo, I, I, I'm not... It, it, it's, it's it's very frustrating and worrying that they haven't added to the squad, actually weakened the squad of Anthony Gordon leaving. Um, but yeah, I, I'm... I, I'm with you, and I feel we're in good hands with Sean Dyche. There, he knows what a uh, he knows what a, a relegation fight looks like. As does Andrew Ayew, if he's if rumours believe that he still might be coming in. So, um, yeah, we got and we got a lot of experience there, and um, yeah, it's 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 going to be incredibly tough. But you know, we have got pro- probably the right manager in there to sort of help us along, and uh, we're going to need some luck. We're going to need some players to stay fit, but hopefully, we can just. Uh, grind it out it's going to be a slog but um yeah i think we'll all say bitterly bitterly disappointing uh, day yesterday well i obviously agree with everything that's been said there um it's hard not to agree um i'm going to try and find some kind of positivity here i'm going to try and be um i'm going to try and not but the, the, the message is out there. The narrative is out there. We know how 99.9% of Evertonians must feel at the moment. It's obvious. Um, I've been thinking today that this scenario that kind of culminated last night at me scrolling through Twitter at 20 past 11 for no particular reason, um, it kind of almost simplifies it for me. It simplifies what's going to happen in the next, or what what may happen in the next few months. It separates, very much separates them and us, I think. And that might actually end up working in our favour. And I, I, I'm, I'll just work, go through the workings of that. I mean, obviously, we've got very much a new manager, Um the same playing staff, but for Sean Dyche, nothing's changed for him. Nothing changed for Sean Dyche last night. Um, he has got a brand new set of players to work with and to mould 
and to get doing what he wants them to do. Um, so in a way, the job hasn't changed for him. What he was promised and what he got may be completely different things, but in effect, the job hasn't changed for him. So it separates it. It kind of simplifies it in terms of, you know, we've got an 18-game season. We All the players we know, the manager will get to know them. And it kind of, in a strange kind of way, it kind of galvanised me into thinking, well, we kind of know what we've got to do now. Almost, it's difficult to forget our board. Almost forget that. <laughs> forget them, because they're nothing to do with us, really, in terms of how it's all been run and how it's all been communicated. It's been a shambles, and I think we all know that. So in in my head, I'm now thinking, right, okay, fine, be like that. You go out, you 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 do what you do. We'll now do what we do, and I hope Sean Dyche and the players can do what they do. And to me, it almost I I'd be far more I'm far more up for Saturday, and I wouldn't have needed this anyway. But I'm far more up for Saturday than I was this time yesterday, and I don't know why I feel like that, but it has galvanised me to thinking there is a siege mentality here that Sean Dice can use. There's a, there's a them and us scenario that he can use. I will also say, for the sake of devil's advocate, and believe me, I know this is not the case with every signing, but just because you sign players doesn't mean you doesn't make you any stronger, necessarily. Some of these players that I've seen the clips of that are off to Southampton and Bournemouth... I don't think they're world beaters, guys. I I know they might have been a very, very good option for us in a squad that is clearly thin in certain areas. But I don't think in the I don't think a lad the lad that's gone to Southampton, for example, was pulling up any trees where he was. So just because you know, new signings doesn't always equal better. And this this is all what I'm running through in my head to try and make myself feel better. But I think it's true. <laughs> um I mean, I would have loved to have been around the table with Sean Dyche and with Kevin Felwell the day that they were all walking, they were both walking through Finch Farm and we saw the photos of the new manager getting to know his surroundings. I'd love to have been around that table when they'd gone through that squad. Sean Dyche would have probably said, right, I'm going to play a 4 4 2. What have we got? And Felwell would have gone through this, the squad and Dyche would have quite obviously said, like me as a Sunday league manager would say, well, I probably need a couple more wingers if I'm going to play wide men. Um, who haven't arrived. And I, and I know there are huge gaps in this squad, but effectively, for Dyche, nothing changed last night. Um, and to be honest, if he... Would he have walked away anyway? I'm not sure. But if he... If, if he's still there and still moving forward with this set of players, then I say, let's draw... Uh, try to draw a line under what happened last night and just think about them because they're the ones that are going to be at the ground. They're the ones that are going to need us. And I think we can, as a fan base, as a whole, can do an awful lot like it did last season. Um, And so I'm going to try and be positive tonight. It's difficult. That's probably the end of my notes now. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lyndon, can you uh, can you audio in a big round of applause, cheer for <laughs> for Andy there? <laughs> well said, Andy. Yeah, I I agree with you, Andy, in that I think there is a feeling now, a feeling of of galvanization among the fans, precisely because there is nothing left that the club can do and there's nothing left that we can do now except dig in and um and just do everything we can as a as a team as a fan base um to to to, to somehow drag this lot over the line again um and i also agree that 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 you know just any old new signing might not have um ha- have made a massive difference uh I don't know who knows. Maybe maybe Suleimana is the second coming of Christian Atsu. We just don't know. 
and I'm, I'm sure we'll find out, you know, once uh, Southampton, once he gets going for Southampton. Probably don't have to play them again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what I would say is that, and I, and I think Al, you put this on Twitter yesterday, just having something, anything to 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 grasp onto, I think would have given the stadium a lift uh, on Saturday. Just you know, just a, a feeling that the club hadn't completely and utterly failed. Um, at what was not only a month-long mission, but really one that stretched all the way back to the summer. Um, you know, obviously it stems from the financial mess that we've got into under Mashiri over a long period of time, but there was still a lack of planning and execution in the summer. Um, and then that obviously continued up, up to the to the beginning of the January window when, you know, we've all been saying for weeks before that, that surely they'll have someone ready to go when the when the window opens because our need is just so desperate. Um, so, I mean, but even allowing for all of that to have now gone a whole month without doing something, uh, I, I think just having someone through the door yesterday would have just provided a lift, something to, to I don't know, just offer some kind of optimism. Um, but I do agree with you again, again Andy, that I think that the uh, the... The, the finality of yesterday really does, as you say, simplify the task, simplify the focus, um, and, and you know, and, and provides a, um, a, a sort of sort of a rallying point. My biggest concern, though, coming out of it is is striker. What happens, you know, if Dominic Calvin Lewin breaks down again? We really are very short up front um, for the style of play that that, that Sean Dyche likes. Um, Neil Mope is clearly not is not well that that well adapted, which then leaves you with Ellis Sims, which is an enormous amount of pressure to put on on a young player's shoulders, one who's so inexperienced. I think he's he's built for a Sean Dyche um, kind of game, and I think that the the pair of them, Calvert Lewin and he, might actually forge some uh, quite an effective partnership if they're used together. Um, but that is my concern: is that we are once again throwing all our chips on Calvert-Lewin remaining fit. And that's not something he's been able to do. Um, apparently, he's not even training every training session right now because they're trying to manage his fitness. So that's my biggest fear. Although, yes, I completely agree. Again, this is all caveated with the fact I agree. But if Daesh decides to play kind of almost a 4-1-4-1, which he, he, he did um, a quite a lot of Burnley, you could argue that, yes, we don't want Dominic Carvalhoon to be at the side, but if he was, then you've kind of almost got a, an option of a 10 or, a, or or an extra midfielder, which which could be the likes of a Wobi or Davis or whoever you want to bring into the side. So, hmm. I mean, it'll be interesting, won't it? it? It will genuinely be quite fascinating to see what Sean Dyche does um, in terms of an overall shape. I'm sure, you, you know, I know you guys have spoken about Sean Dyche at the appointment, and what to expect. Um, I've been thinking over the last few days. I, I've, and it's not. I'm not just saying this now. I've always liked Sean Dyche because he's got the very best out of what he was given. And I think if a coach does that at any level of football, if a coach squeezes enough out of that stone as much out of that stone as he possibly can, he's a good coach, or she's a good coach. Um, so I've always rated him for the, for that reason. Um, but he was given a very. He was given a very distinct group of players at Burnley or given he made it into one and he it might be slightly different at Everton and I just wonder whether he will play the so-called Dyche 442 if that's what we're in for or whether he, he he's talented enough to go into that group and say well I might do a version of what you were playing actually um because the, the players suit it better so it, you know it might not be that we have to keep Carver Lewin fit the whole time. He may he may find another system, which obviously others haven't managed to do, that that also works. Um, I don't know. Um, and also with the signing stuff, oh God, I don't know how they've managed to go through the whole month without signing anybody. But the food chain, we, where we are in that food chain now, is it's almost rock bottom of that food chain if you think about it in terms of. Players, players wanting to go to the Premier League. Would you go to Everton at the moment? Probably not. Um, and clubs wanting to sell to the Premier League. 
I mean, the, 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 the prices and the timing of when it all happened, of Dice coming in and whatever else, um, there, were, there may have been deals on the table that Lampard and Farewell were looking to get through, which then obviously changed. And I think um, the Shanjumuf one was an ideal example of that. But yeah, I, th- I think where we are in the food chain is probably lower than we've ever been, so, uh, especially in a January window. Um, and it just it just reeked of that, didn't it? It's been a mad window, though, hasn't it, in terms of like the expenditure? Obviously, I mean, the, the Ch- Chelsea just <laughs> looks like they're, they're playing in a league at the moment now. Chelsea, literally, with, with, with what they're with what they're spending, but you know, all the money. For, normally, January is pretty quiet, isn't it? You know, what I mean. So, I, I mean, when we've like, uh, you know, you never back it. You know, back in the in the day when uh, we might have had half an eye on sort of like the you know, towards the the bottom bottom parts of the league in various times. You never saw like Wigan. Going and blowing, you know, spending a fortune like you know, twenty million quid, and all the teams around them spending twenty, thirty million quid on players, you know. So a lot of money's been been thrown about there. It's just been a bit, a bit mad, and uh, the situation ever and they're in. You're right; they've never really been worse um, financially. I'm glad he didn't. It's not to say they weren't trying to, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't just end up doing like a panic buy, like that lad from Crystal Palace that, that, that was mooted or, you know, or something, something silly like that or was some striker from Reading at, at some point on the take. You know I mean? There's a few things you saw rumoured yesterday. I'm glad it didn't say, oh, we've got to get someone and let's just get somebody in for the sake of it. As I say, it might have been just because they couldn't rather than that they, that they were sensible enough not to. But, um, yeah, in, in a weird way, I'm quite, I'm quite, I've got more. I've got trust in the players that we've got, and that sounds silly given where we are. But I think the capable are so much, so much better. If they can just stick together and knit together, fingers crossed, it can, um, it can just, uh, it, it can just, it, it can just somehow work out. And just, just looking on scrolling through Twitter now, and they're still trying by the looks of things. You're still seeing, seeing names like Isco popping up, players are out of contract, are you, etc. Who knows? There might still be another one or two through the door, and who knows? It might just make a difference. You never know. Yeah, I mean, for me as well, it's it's just as an Evertonian, you know, as Evertonians for twenty, thirty years, we've been here before where we've not been able to sign players because of a lack of funds. But this just it genuinely hurts because we've now got a lack of funds again. But it's all self self inflicted. You know, the, the reason Everton are in the situation that they are, uh, they're in is because of rank bad decision making for six years. Um, so that's where I feel really let down by those in charge because when Sean Dyche arrived at the club uh, in his in his first interview, he said that he's now a custodian at Everton and he's going to look after the club and it's his chance to be part of it. And it it just really resonated with me because I thought the board are custodians as well, and that that that's the term for me, looking after the club. And that's where I feel like the board currently that they're ruining Everton. I think Andy, you're spot on that it. I think. It, it is us v them, and it is so important to to make that division now, and to sort of now that the January transfer windows out of the way, it is a chance to sort of just put them out of our minds and just focus on the team because you know it, it's you know Arsenal are the opposition on Saturday, but the board are as well, aren't they? Because they're just making they've made life so difficult for everybody at the football club. Um. And it is. I just. I just. My fear is because of the, the energy and the emotion of last season. I feel like some of us are almost like you know, like a boxer on the rings, sort of trying to keep going. But I think it's going to be hard for people just, be, just because of the toll last season took, and the fact that it's been so damning that you know that Everton have made the most money this month as well. You've got to remember that they made the most money, and haven't reinvested it. And that that's where it does feel like that the board are holding the club well, not even holding the club back, that they're, they're pushing the club down. Um so that's where I, I feel that, you know, I know that when match day comes the apathy won't be there. But I do think it's just gonna be that little bit harder for the supporters to really just keep going with this because, you know, we, we, we did everything we could to drag the club over the line last season and they've done nothing to help the team, have they? That, they went five games into the start of the season without a striker. We managed to score four goals, didn't get a win. They've had a whole World Cup break, and I just don't know what they've been doing. I genuinely don't know what they've been doing. There's been no, um, you know, contingency plans, and I, I do. I just, I just feel that, you know, it's it's almost like 
you know, like relationships when they come to an end and stuff. And it, it just, it doesn't feel the same. And I just feel that, you know, I'm not saying that Evertonians would ever become disinterested, but it is hard to keep going when something you love is just being ruined in the way it is, I think. Yeah. I think what would change that is a result on Saturday and a result Possibly. at yeah. Anfield. Say we pick up a couple of draws um, in the next two games, I think that would that would help sort of drive that enthusiasm and that, and that, that would, people would find something to draw from their reserves of, of, of support and, and passion. You know, when I, I think it's the, is it leads the, the game after that at the next one at Goodison after Saturday. Um, but yeah, come back from those two games with nothing. And then I think, yeah, I agree with you that people will, will, will find it very hard to, to muster up the, uh, to muster up the energy and the emotion for it. It might depend on the manner, manner of performance a bit as well, I suppose. But you're right. I guess if you two defeats in a row there, you're going to be deflated, of course. Uh, but if you know, if if it's like you know, if if you get absolutely battered in, in both or either or, then it might be a bit tough to take. And you wonder where we are. We, yeah, I think it's the yeah. We need, we need points 100. percent I think performance is what we'll have to grit determination. And I was thinking before when you were saying before Andy about um, oh, you might sort of look at a different style. I think. Like Sean might evolve into maybe a different style, perhaps. But I think getting in first and fo- first and foremost, he'll be very much back to basics or the fourth, and that it will be a four four two or a four four one one or whatever you want to call it, um, just to get some of that the players can get used to and just understand. I think will be what it'd be like in in the first instance, and just I'm just hopefully looking forward to seeing us organised and you know players having a, an idea of what they're doing because they really didn't have an idea what they were doing. I don't think by the end of, of Frank Lampard, unfortunately. Um, so just seeing this be a bit more, bit more well-drilled, I think is, is, is probably what I'm hoping to see. Maybe a bit more boys-like, I think what I'm looking forward to seeing again. And um, yeah, if we do that in the two games, if we're more disciplined and in the next two day, two, two games, then you'd imagine the fight will be there and then there'll be, there'll be plenty to take from it. And who knows? <laughs> You say two draws, Lyndon. You know, is it is it impossible to win one of them games, or am I just in a cloud cuckoo land? You know? No, not at all. You know, it's like yeah, uh, it just always feels that belief, doesn't it, at the moment, or that lack of belief because we're so scarred of <laughs> down the years of not winning these games. Like I think these games, just love us to sort of yeah, you know, just just get one of these. Imagine what a win would do on Saturday. Just imagine, yeah. You know I mean, we could uh, just be yeah. incredible and. Uh, oh, I, I've been dreaming of it. <laughs> I've been dreaming of it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? And just uh, and that's why we're Evertonians. That's why we're football fans who just keep on coming back. And every so often it happens. So maybe maybe Saturday's a good day. Well, we're a bit of a bogey team for Arsenal as well. You know, they've we've they, they've not had a, a decent result at our place for a while. Uh, what is it like the last four seasons? I think we're unbeaten, something like that. So you know, there's there's things to kind of hang your <laughs> hang your hat on there. <laughs> Absolutely. And we know the power Goodison has when there is a villain, when there's a, you know, even if it's a bit of a pantomime villain at times. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a fantastic bit of play from Everton. It, it can be that, um, you know, that, that, that focus of our attention, a, a bad referee call or, a, or, or, or a, a, a bad tackle goes in and all of a sudden the place just is different. And I feel like mm-hmm. that us and them or that kind of that that edge that this is definitely created over the last few days, that could I, I just think it could help. I'm not suggesting we're going to go and beat Arsenal, but I think it helps. I actually do think it helps in the if only in the short term. Um, it, 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 it may just help on Saturday to, to, to get us started on the front foot until at least I think the welcome for Dyche now, not that it would have been. Um, subdued in any way but I think now from what I've seen on social media in the last 24 hours people are saying well I don't know what the clowns are up to at the top but let's get behind this guy <laughs> because he needs this is yeah. this is the one guy that we have to now show we're behind I think that you know that the, the feeling towards him it's almost you feel a bit sorry for him really but I, I think the feeling towards <laughs> him is, is magnified yeah I um I think the, the first thing he could start with uh, is is just teaching 
Dwight McNeil and Damari Gray and maybe Vitaly Mekalenko had to take a set piece. <laughs> I think that would <laughs> that would be the the number one tactical change that I that I that if I could change that I think influence on this team immediately would be that because you know we know from having watched Burnley that that that's a big part of uh, of a Sean Dyche strategy. Uh, once once he kind of has figured out what what the talents are, are at, at his disposal, uh, we know that this team is obviously um, capable of a lot more. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'm looking. I'm thinking of players, particularly like Idrissa Gay, who's who's been massively underperforming um, for for whatever reason. Um, I'm interested to see uh, whether someone like Yeri Mina comes back into the team. Obviously, we can't we can't rely too much on his fitness, um, but he's you know his his size and 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 how dominant he can be in the area. Does does Dice sort of mess around with um, or change the what what has been sort of a settled centre back pairing in Cody and Tarkovsky, but one that hasn't really been uh, all that effective of late. Um, and the other thing is, I saw I forget who who it was, but there was a um, an analysis done of just how we were getting into so much trouble under Lampard because we'd concede the first goal and then pushing for the second one, we'd leave ourselves completely open, particularly down the flanks. And that was one of the uh, the, the glaring things at West Ham when, when Tarkovsky got got done down the right right down the right hand side. Um, after after that had happened, it was just so easy for them to to get the second goal. So it's 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 things like that. It's focusing on the basics and tightening things up. I think will give us much, uh, much more of a better platform um, to stay in games. Um, and if you're obviously, as, as we all know, if you're in a match, um, you know, going heading into the last quarter of an hour, then you've always got a much better chance of getting something out of a game than if you've completely thrown it away. That we have the way we have been in the last few weeks. I also got to thinking about you know if if there are injuries and stuff and suspensions. I say if there will be. You know that that's just part and parcel of, of the Premier League, but it's the fact that yeah. you know this has happened as well at a time when you can make five substitutions. Um, we've got a really thin squad, so it's something else that goes against us. But I was looking at the team and just you know square pegs round holes. I, I'm almost thinking that Ruben Vinagre could play ahead of Mikalenko if need. You know if, if there are injuries, you know you can change his position. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking up front. I'm thinking back to. Leeds United at home and Steve Watson's hat trick, you know, <laughs> or or the times when we play Cahill and Fellaini up front, you know, can you stick an honour up there to try and make the ball stick? Even you know, desperate times, do you put Michael Keane up there to just head anything? Yeah, I was going to say Michael Keane centre forward. <laughs> and I think I genuinely think just because of you know it's a long hard season, I do think we're going to see that just because the the squad does look very small. I think Sean Dyche is going to have to try and look at the qualities of the players and, and, and try and be flexible and adaptable, I think. Um, just because, ju- just because you know, the last 18 months, Dominic Calvert-Lewin hasn't had a run of games, so the chances are he, he isn't going to be fully available. Same with, as you mentioned, Lyndon, Yerry Mina. He's not always going to be available. Um, so that's, I think, mm-hmm. where Sean Dyche will, will really, you know, earn his money, is how we can not only get the best out of the players, but almost get the best out of players in false positions almost. It's a good shout that actually. Um, the, the the best managers find a way. I think that's David Moyes always found a way, didn't he? When like, remember when, like, when we sold Arteta on deadline day and didn't replace him? We had, we had a couple of low knees in, I think in, in Royston Zente and uh, Stakwalazi. I'll tell you what you could do with them now, couldn't you? Those two actually, they'd be pretty handy signings. But um, <laughs> although it took Strack lazy half a season to get up to speed, in which case the half season would be gone by the time <laughs> that's how he was uh, up and running. But um, you know, and the, but like the best, the, the best managers find a way to deal with this. And it, it was often said by mates of mine who, uh, who were Liverpool supporters um, when they were always defending Rafa Benitez when he when he was there. Said, "Oh, he hasn't." He's, he's, he hasn't got the Charles and he hasn't got Calvert Lewin, and he hasn't both injured for a period of time. I was like, yeah, but that's the best managers find a way. And Lampard couldn't find a way. Yeah, he, he Calvert Lewin on the How many press conferences did you hear in reference? Oh, we, we sold the Charles and Brazil's number nine. We haven't got him anymore. You know what I mean? And this this went on and on until like the I think even the last game he was there. It was just trying like you got to find a way to do this. And, and if that means playing a player in an, an unorthodox position and 
confusing opposition a little bit and finding different ways to do things, then so be it. Um, and you're dead right. Sometimes that's just the way the the way you got to do it. It's it's rolling your sleeves up and just finding a way around it, you know. So um, yeah, I agree with that. And it's something I hadn't really thought of with with Sean Dyche and. Yeah, we'll find out, won't we? Can he find a way? Can he find a way to do things when when injuries bite and suspensions bite and and half a dozen half a dozen games time games time or, or whatnot? We'll find what he's made of. I think Sean Dyche then when it's um, when the going really really gets tough. He seems a tough guy. Um, is he a smart guy? And we'll uh, we'll find out definitely. I think over the coming months. Speaking of low knees, Joe is available. He's 35, <laughs> but he's available. He's a free agent. <laughs> I don't. I'd like to think we're not that desperate. <laughs> but let's see. He's also just played under uh, Vitor Pereira as well. That was his last manager. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, the connections, <laughs> the Everton connections. And then just going back to the, the ins and, and sorry, there's no ins. Going back to the outs um, and and the way we've kind of, the way we've, or the way Kevin Felwell has kind of conducted this January um, and, and, and overall since he's been probably, pro- properly at the helm, it, I think it's still sensible. And I know that sounds daft because we're, we're saying what's just happened in the last few weeks has not been sensible at all. But he's kind of, <laughs> he's trying to do the sensible thing whilst there's a fire raging in the office next to him, if you see what I mean. It, it, all around him is, is is fire, and Kevin Felwell's in the middle trying to do a sensible thing. So I just envisaged him on his, on his laptop, on a little desk on his own, with this kind of raging fire around him, because what the, the actual decisions he's making <laughs> are sensible ones. We, we, we sold Anthony Gordon at the very, very highest we could ever hope for him, which we've not done with a player... <sighs> I don't even think we got the most we could have got for Rooney. I mean, we, you know, we go back ages and ages and ages to find a player we got really, really good money for, from for what they were worth to the team. He is not just jumping in and buying anyone, which I'm I'm pretty sure he could have. I'm, you know, I, I think we could have grabbed somebody from either the Championship or 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 a, a foreign league somewhere, which, which okay was maybe a bit of a maybe on the list and thrown big money at it. He's trying to do the right thing. And actually, if it comes off and we stay up, we'll be an awful lot better off for it. Because of the of all the teams that have spent big in the last 24 hours or, or maybe 48 hours, three of them are going down. Let's not forget. You know, the, the money Bournemouth has spent, the money Southampton has spent, Leeds have spent. You know, one of or three of these teams are going down as well as having spent all that money in January. So... Again, trying to trying to see the positivity in it, which it, it's a huge risk. But if they manage to get this right in the next three four months, and we manage to somehow find what we after seven wins, really realistically at least, they can find them seven wins. It will be it, it, it will we'll be in a much better position having done what we've done and how we've done it, albeit with loads of criticism. Criticism, and I get that than maybe chucking money at someone who is kind of a 70% on your list. I don't know. Is that too positive? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah, but, yeah, possibly. Maybe, maybe the way Evertonians are feeling right at this precise moment, it might be, but maybe in time you'll be proved to be right. My issue with the Gordon thing is that I think the writing has been on the wall there for a while. Um, I, if it, and I, was, I said this back in in the summer. I think uh, at the summer transfer window, I would have I would have sold him. Um, you know, I would have. I think Paul and I, you were talking. We, you and I were talking offline, and I asked you if you'd sell him for if a thirty five million bid came in, and you said no. And I think I would have done um, just because that money is much more valuable to us now than a potential prospect who might turn into a star in two three seasons time. Um, and so. I think that that Thelwell, if you kind of read between the lines, and particularly if if, if anyone's read the article in the Athletic um, today on the, on the sort of the fallout of the, of the transfer deadline fiasco, um, it it seems that there are the Thelwell, Thelwell is still dealing with these competing um, competing wants and and philosophies of the people 
above him or ultimately making the decisions. I think had he been given license to do things the way that he would he wanted to do it, I think it might have turned out different. Um, whether there was this this sort of too much sentimentality in in sort of holding on to Gordon for as long as we did, but I think the for me personally, and maybe some of this is is just with the benefit of hindsight, but for me personally, having a saleable asset who's underperforming, who it appears wanted out um, in the summer when Chelsea were interested and Newcastle were interested, um, I think you just be hard nosed about it, um, and you try and get what you can at the beginning of the window. And then you're not forced to scramble for these, as you say, Andy, these kind of sort of 70% options. Um, I think someone like Ishmael Assar, who I'm not particularly sold on hundred percent myself, but he, I think would have been an option earlier, would have been an option earlier in the window that we could have got over the line rather than going to Watford two hours before the window closed and said, Oh, by the way, can we take one of your most effective players um, for the rest of the season and, you know, and, and maybe give you money at the end of it. Um, so, but that was a short conversation. Yeah, I think that's that. <laughs> I think it was a very <laughs> short conversation. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's just, I just can't get away from from the fact that that the fact that everything was left so late. The recruitment system and the the planning is fundamentally broken. Yeah. Um, and I think the events of yesterday and the way that they scrambled around and were just sort of throwing out offers left, right, and center. It does really. Um, it sort of takes away any defense you can have of the way that the club is currently operating as it as it pertains to um to recruiting players yeah because that that's what disappointed me it was the fact that everton knew of the interest from chelsea and newcastle before and they really could have taken charge with the situation and almost negotiated ourselves you know been on been on the front yeah. foot been proactive taking charge of the situation and been strong in that and and in order to you know look after ourselves you know as, as people say, the, no, no player is bigger than the club and we should have seen Anthony Gordon as an opportunity to, to really strengthen. And of course, I know Frank Lampard was a big fan of Gordon and that's why I didn't want to sell him in the summer. But then after what's transpired and, you know, I think with the team as it was and the, the need to strengthen, I would have been so encouraged if Everton, you know, had, had tried to, to cash in on Gordon. And I, I would, I think I said on the last podcast, Lyndon, I would have preferred to take less money in the first week of January than the forty million we got, yeah. because I think mm-hmm. it just would have given us the the time rather than the the sort of supermarket sweep mad dash of just you know it. I, I joked on Twitter last night. We're sort of like the the drunk lad on the dance floor when the lights go on in the nightclub, <laughs> just just going round to every girl trying to get a number um, and getting rejected at every turn because we're a bit of a state. Um, no, I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the that was the disappointment for me was that you know that the interest didn't come out of the blue on the twenty ninth of January from Newcastle. It was there from the start, and I think Everton. You know, it's I think under Mashiri we've been far too reactive with every situation, and I think they needed to show some real leadership there, and they didn't. Um, and just something I wanted to point out about you know you know obviously a lot has been said about the communication at the club as well and. And that relationship between the fans and the board. But um, Isco, a player who has been linked with Everton today, he was close to joining Union Berlin and then that deal collapsed and they actually Mm -hmm. released a statement to say, we would have liked to have seen Isco with us, but we have our limits. These were exceeded today, contrary to the previous agreement, so the transfer did not take place. And I just thought, you know, Union Berlin and their fans have got a different relationship to Everton and their fan base at present. But I just thought that that's proper communication. That's, you know, in a time of disappointment as well. They've explained why the deal didn't happen. They haven't gone into, like, the finer details, but they've showed that, you know, the fan base is, a, is important to them and they've they've explained it. And I just think with Everton, you know, we'll have all talked to our, to our friends and stuff about different things and, you know, you get different theories about why Everton haven't signed a player. You know, some people have even gone as far as to say, is it acid stripping before the club is sold? You know, and I just think, I think Evertonians, although we're all feeling it at the moment, I do think we're also a very understanding fan base and we're very supportive. And if Everton did come out and just say, look, we've 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 cashed in on Gordon, and you know what, the finances, the financial fair play, is still on dodgy ground. I think I think the majority of Evertonians would say 
do you know what? Fair enough. Now it's time to back the team. And again, I, I want Everton to just show that leadership and take charge of the, the situation when it comes to the football and let the fans know what's going on. I, you know, obviously it, it could be something really bad and, you know, it, it's probably best not to say, but I just saw that that statement from Union Berlin and thought that's that's how to talk to your fan base. And how easy is it? I mean, you know, you don't have to, you, you don't need a, you don't need a kind of public relations degree, do you, to, to work that out? I mean, it's it's a very simple statement, which is very understandable to the average person. Uh, you're right; it doesn't go to any of the details, which we don't need to know anyway. It's so simple. Um, uh, yeah, I I saw that as well, and I thought, wow, like how 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 different does that feel like? To, to what this kind of smoke and mirrors and mm. is it about is it about power of you know the 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 power of holding the information that some people get dizzy on I, I don't know it's just it seems such a strange way of doing it that when no one really knows what's going on when it, like you're right it, we in any relationship you can you can you can take someone doing something bad or something not going to plan, if they explain it and say, look, this is why we I made that decision. It's why I did what I did. I'm getting gradually more more negative as we go through. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, it's the admission of 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 Mr. having made mistakes, I suppose, isn't it? You know, the reason why we're in the, the FFP issues that we're having is because of, you know, prior mistakes. But I think, I mean, to to a degree, they admitted that without saying as much in one of the open letters last summer. You know, they said that, you know, we've made mistakes and, you know, now we're going to fix them. Unfortunately, you know, they haven't. Because I, th- I think what's really important as well in terms of the trust with the with the fan base as well is that the fan advisory board spoke with Farad Mashiri last week and Mashiri said to them, we need a striker and we will get one. Now, you know, we... You know, not everything is going to be black and white, and but I feel that when Mashiri said we will get one, it just needs that clarity because otherwise it looks like a promise has been broken when that might not be the case. Um, so again, I just think that you know it, it almost makes a mockery of the fan advisory board that you know what a, what a great thing in terms of communication that the owner of the football club is sitting down with with, with the fan advisory board and speaking to them. But then what's being communicated isn't being actioned. And I think that's where the Evertonians probably feel a bit let down, that we're hearing lots and lots of things from the football club, but then we're not seeing any of it followed through. Uh, you know, And as I said, with, with the Union Berlin example, I just think that clarity to go, even if they just held their hands up and went, we've messed this up, I, I just feel that you know it's such a fractious relationship. And I know a lot of people will say, you know, it's probably too late for communication after this month. But I just think that the club needs to just take charge of the situation and, and try and make things better for everybody so that, you know, you, we can really just get behind the team and put this month behind us. Yeah, I'm not too sure how many people are ready to uh, ready to listen <laughs> right now. Uh, which uh, Another thing that I was thinking, I, I saw um, one of the articles by, was it Phil McNulty perhaps, who was saying that, you know, the, the, the look... Uh, if the board are not there on Saturday, the look for Deitch's first home game would be a, a sour one for him to sort of turn around and see the director's box empty. But I, I think from the fans' perspective, um, it might be better if they're not there um, so that we can, and it gets back to this this sort of siege mentality notion that uh, we're going to support the team, we're going to back the team, and we're going to dig in. And um, that that's kind of where the focus of our, of our energy is going to be. Uh, one thing on my mind is just that uh, uh, you speak about FFP. Um, I, 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 if that's what it is, what the, what the main problem is, which we obviously assume it is, how far do we have to go before we're, we're on the right side of this? You know I mean, obviously, we saw the Charleston at a, at a reasonable profit. We saw Gordon at a complete profit. We've uh, we've got rid of a lot of high earners. We'll get rid of a few more high earners, like, such as Mina. You have Mina in the summer. Uh, at what point are we are we okay to sort of you know, get back to sort of some sort of normality with with this. If that if, if that is the uh, that is, is the issue. I mean, obviously, it's easy to sort of reference. So oh, look what Chelsea are doing, which is nuts. And you know, and obviously, we I think we'd all agree that the FFP 
uh, rules probably aren't worth the paper they're written on. They're, 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 they're so they're so ridiculously skewed towards towards uh, helping teams who have got massive you know sort of commercial revenue, massive stage, massive success, essentially massive you know uh, win rate in competitions, which all self perpetuates. So. At what point are we are we able to sort of do things? Because look how everyone else is spending, as you said before, Andy. Yeah, it makes you think. Well, what do we have to do? To I mean, how far do we have to go to sort of uh, make that right again? Um, you know, somebody obviously better educated in FFP than myself might be able to answer. But it's it, it's a growing frustration of mine. If that's if that's a lot of the reasoning as to why. Um, and yeah, they could they could uh, they could highlight that a lot more. And I suppose if they're talking about. Uh, accountability and explaining themselves. Uh, you mentioned Farad Mashiri and his um, uh, discussion with the fan advisory board. He said, oh, we will get a striker, as you said, um, uh, Al. Um, that would be an easy get-out now, wouldn't it? Saying, oh, look, you know, we thought we had Dan Juma over the line. He'd done his medical, he'd met the players, and then he changed his mind. You know, we, we'd, we'd put so much into that. We thought we had him, and then we didn't. Then we, we really were left about, about a lot of time to figure something else out. You know what I mean? It's it's an explanation of sorts, isn't it? You know what I mean? If you're just able to come out and say something like that, you know? So that's where you're right in terms of not communicating well. But, um, yeah, FFP, it's a real gripe of mine at the moment, I've got to say. Well, there's, there's that question. And at the other end of the scale, there's, well, what would the punishment be for breaking this thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Realistically, nobody knows. I mean, you know, how much would it cost Everton to fall out of the league? A lot. It would be a financial disaster. I mean, I know that. It, would it be points? Would it be? Would it be a fine? We don't really know. But I, I've been thinking for the last kind of couple of months, really. Like, <laughs> what would happen if we broke it? Um, would that be a almost a um, a risk worth taking, considering the position we're in? I mean, obviously, it's too late now, and obviously, that goes against. My last comment about Kevin Fellwell doing things sensibly. Um, but it did strike me the other day of, well, what would be the worst case scenario in breaking it? Um, I suppose the fact is we just don't know. Yeah, it's never been tested. The best guess that I've seen someone posit is that it might be a, sort of a transfer embargo for two years or something. Um, in which case you just go out and buy everyone you can and set yourself up for two years. Well, like Chelsea are doing. Yeah. Well, like, like, well, yeah. I mean, I've just looked, Andy, and it's a reprimand or warning, fines, point deductions, and then the the best one for Everton, I think, is withholding of revenue from a UEFA competition. Now, <laughs> that one, is um, so I'd say go for it. <laughs> but where 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 are you seeing that, Al? Is that actually written down somewhere? Yeah, so I've just given it a Google, you know, just a quick Google while we're chatting about what is the FFP punishment. And it's the legislation currently allows for eight separate punishments. Um, but that's is that UEFA or the Premier League? Because there's FFP, which is the UEFA, and then there's that's, that's, that's UEFA for the for the FFP. Yeah, right. And then there's Premier League's um, yeah. profitability yeah. and sustainability regulations, which are different. Yeah. Yeah. And they both they allow for for different um, yeah. amounts of losses. Yeah. I think UEFA allows for fewer. Uh, yeah. losses than the Premier League. Yeah, so it, it says in UEFA it, it's eight separate punishments. And the last one, the most severe, is you have to play Michael Keane up front every game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so it, it, I think it's it's right, Andy, that, you know, the the implication of being relegated, you do need to take that risk. But I think it goes back to it. it's all about what Mashiri's thinking and that's where the uncertainty is, is that if he if he is looking for sort of that new investment or if he if he was to move on after the after the stadium move, it's it's that as well, isn't it? About how much more money he'd be prepared to to keep ploughing into the club with such an outlay on the stadium. Well, we haven't done a uh, haven't done a weekly question in a while, so we thought we'd do one this week. That's kind of uh, themed to do with the the transfer deadline. Seeing as we couldn't sign a single one of our targets, imagine you could sign just one Everton player from the Premier League era at his peak to save us this season. Who would it be? It's a great question, isn't it? I've got a short list of four. Um, I know Adam McCulloch, who, who couldn't join us tonight. It also shares one of mine. Um, his was Andre Konchelskis, which is a great start. Um, I think I'm not going to reveal the whole shortlist because I might step on someone else's toes. Um, it might be a bit obvious. Um, I'm going to go for Romelu Lukaku. 
because he scores goals, but he also makes his own goals. And I think we are in desperate need of somebody who can create things for themselves in the final third. He was hardly ever injured uh, and he scored all types of goals. And I just feel like um, he would be a massive, massive help in getting out of this. Yeah, so my pick is sort of in a similar vein to Andy, but mine is Nikita Jelovic. Not because he, yeah, not because he created goals from nothing, but he was able to score them with just one touch. Um, and I'm thinking in this Everton team, Sean Dyche is quite sort of direct. You know, the, the, the thing would be just get the ball to Jelovic around the box. Um, so he he's my pick. Just be, I, I just thought that I honestly think in in my time watching Everton in twenty five years, in the six month spell after he joined, he's one of the best players I've seen in Everton shirt. Not not for his whole time at Everton, but for those six months, I just thought he was just electric. I just absolutely loved him, um, and obviously it helps that he was scoring every game. Um, so yeah, he'd be my pick. He was incredible, wasn't he? But it was like um, it was like someone had found like a, a cheat on FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do a certain yeah. a certain kind of combination of buttons, and it just goes in. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was nine consecutive goals were with his first touch. I think that was the record. Yeah, second touch was a celebration. Yeah, <laughs> it's bewildering that his form fell off a cliff, wasn't it? Really, Jelovic, uh, because yeah. he was just he was just awesome in that um, that next season. He just uh, started well, didn't he? And then he just yeah, just eventually just petered away. It was a, it's a real shame and real headache uh, that caused David Moyes to think after that. But here's a good shout, uh, one I hadn't considered. Mind, yeah. He, you can probably guess that uh, if, we, if we could have like Wayne Rooney at his best, then then for similar reasons than what um, what Andy uh, mentioned, just the uh, create goals from nothing, he'd, he'd probably link up very well with um, with Calvert Lewin in a four four two, playing just off more. He could play on the wing if he needed him to, and just the natural ability and range of different goals and passing and all that. Obviously, we don't need to go through all the superlatives that made Wayne Rooney, uh, you know, one, one of England's greatest ever players. Um, so yeah, having them in the team now, I think would uh, would go a long way to keeping us up. All good shouts, all good shouts. Yeah, my I my shortlist had Kanchelskis uh, and Lukaku. Uh, Lukaku is obviously the for for the reasons that uh, you stated, Andy. I mean, he just uh, he could score from anywhere um, and create his own goals, and which is obviously massive and something we haven't had since. Um, my, I didn't, I wouldn't, didn't go for Andre because. My obviously, my, he's. I think he's probably my favorite uh, player of the Premier League era. But my concern over him was he, he, his his form sort of evaporated once the, the team really started getting into difficulties. So maybe he wouldn't be the uh, the man for the situation that we're currently in. And so for that reason, I've gone for Tim Cahill just because of his. Uh, I think his mentality, uh, his leadership on the field, his his ability to score um, crucial goals. I think he would be. Uh, Someone at his peak would be just what we need right now, so he would be my pick. Yeah, another one I nearly yes. went for will actually be in the dugout on um, on Saturday, and uh, Mikel Arteta for for that leadership capability and just um, creativity, and uh, again ability to score goals. And I think you, you think players like that who aren't going to take defeat lying down. That's another reason I thought Rooney, and you, you're probably right with Kinchelskis. Actually, maybe didn't have the stomach for the fight. Uh, Tim Kyle certainly did, didn't he? Yeah, the only other one I had on my shortlist was Fellaini. Um, just because I'm thinking about the kind of the kind of thing we might see with Sean Dyche might be that you know get yourself in the box and um, very awkward and um, could play in several different roles, uh, especially in this team where we need players to be kind of flexible. Um, yeah, I'd like to a Fellaini in his prime would would help this team. I think that's the only other one I had. I had the, Lukaku, Cahill, Fellaini, Kinchelskis was mine. I didn't actually think of Rooney, funnily enough. I don't know. I don't know why I overlooked the greatest talent that's ever come through the club. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't just because I was thinking of players at their peak for us. Yeah. You know, obviously Rooney never reached his peak playing for us, or was any wasn't really a uh, a major factor for very long. I think that's why I, over, I overlooked him. But... I, th- I think one last outside shout as well, just in terms of controlling games, which we've missed is Gareth Barry. Oh yeah, mm. I just, mm. just just in terms of that control and 
you know that the way the mate the way modern football is now in terms of the playing it out from the back you know just when Barry used to drop in and take the ball off the center backs I think I think he would have been good under Lampard actually um rather than a Deitch team but I think he deserves a shout just in terms of that that the way he controlled games and set the tone for everything yeah, yeah. Yeah, good show. Well, there's potential that uh, potential that Onana could f- fulfill that role, yeah. and maybe you know Deitch can turn uh, Onana into the uh, second coming of Fellaini. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, uh, we'll leave it there for this week, and hope that Sean Deitch and the team can sna- scratch out a result on Saturday that would lift the sense of impending doom at Goodison. Uh, the prevailing sentiment seems to be one of simply digging in now with that siege mentality that we've been talking about, supporting the players and hoping that we have enough to stay up. Uh, we'll speak to you again next week, Blues, to discuss the Arsenal game and look ahead to the derby. Until then, thanks for listening and come on the Blues. Blues.